Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Informed Millennial and Gen Xer Types uh, from a left-wing perspective. It's Friday night. We are doing a Friday night show because... We have a lot so to do. so much going on tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow morning when we usually be podcasting, we'll be at Chuck E. Cheese for my nephew's uh, birthday party. At 10 a.m. True story. Are, are we going to eat Chuck E. Cheese pizza at 10 a.m., baby? Maybe they do brunch there. I, we were wondering, like, they at least serve wine. So. <laughs> <laughs> at 10 a.m.? Yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's Friday, May 25th, uh, 2018. Oh, we got a lot to get to. I don't think we'll get to it all, but we have to try. We have to start so much. Uh, But I'm going to turn over this first segment to Rachel because she has sort of an inside scoop. We're going to do some, like, real news reporting behind the scenes. Investigative journalism, Investigative, yeah, yeah, that we actually did, or that she actually did. So, yeah, what do we got, Rach? Okay, so... This article came out in The Intercept about Planned Parenthood um, trying to bust uh, Colorado Labor Union amongst its staff. Mm. And that was really upsetting for me. And so I did some digging about what the fuck, right? And I reached out to some people that I knew who worked for or who had worked for Planned Parenthood um, and those of them who worked for plant currently do wouldn't talk to me. Um, but then I reached out to some other people and I did some digging and I found some people who would talk to me anonymously about working for Planned Parenthood and this initiative. And I want to talk about it. And I want to preface this by saying, you know, we don't just shit on our enemies right like sometimes you got to call out your friends and sometimes the people that you know you love the most do some bad things and the only way to make them stop doing those things is to call them out publicly about it and to talk to people who care about Planned Parenthood and care about their mission and and, and who donate to them I mean God you and I both donate to Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. and the only way for us to make a change within this organization, as I can understand it from the people I've talked to, is to make it known what's going on over there. Yeah. And to make them understand that we aren't okay with what's going on right now. And to make them understand that as progressives and as donors, we would like to see a different path forward. Now, this is really specific to Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. And what I learned was, you know, Planned Parenthood Federation of America is the sort of umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's all these affiliates. And one of these affiliates is in our hometown. But it's not just Colorado and it's not just Denver. Um, It covers four states. So Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains covers... um, And this article actually gets it wrong. It says three states, but the people I talked to have said it covers four states. Okay. So it's Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Nevada. Sounds right, yeah. And Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains um, is fighting with um, people who work 
there, people on the front lines who work for Planned Parenthood, who are trying to unionize. And they are fighting that effort. And it's really upsetting for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to read just a little bit from this article from The Intercept so that you can understand why I decided to try to figure out what the hell is going on over there. Colorado Planned Parenthood executives, with help from President Trump's labor board appointees, are fighting with their health center workers' unionization efforts in a case that could set a precedent for workers' rights nationwide. The case is Rocky Mountain Planned Parenthood versus SEIU. Staff for Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains, in coordination with SEIU Local 105, won the election for their union in December of 2017. Shortly after the vote to unionize, Planned Parenthood leadership, instead of recognizing the new unit, turned to the Republican-controlled National Labor Relations Board to challenge the outcome. The Planned Parenthood bosses won the first round, and the appeal will now move on to a full five-member labor board. In April, Trump Labor Board appointees Marvin Kaplan and Bill Emanuel sided with Planned Parenthood's argument that the union ought to include all the clinics in the regional agency, which spans three states. They're wrong. It's four. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, former President Obama's appointee, Lauren McFerrin, voted against the appeal and in favor of the workers. Quote, in many, if not most, instances, such daunting geographic barriers could be prohibited to employers' right to choose and engage in collective bargaining. Despite the employer's failure to posit all, alter- all alternatives, the NRLB regional director made an independent unit determination that gave geographic proximity the weight it deserved alongside the other relevant factors for multi multi-facility unit determination. So let's just stop and talk about what actually happened. Okay. Um, In Denver, the city, a bunch of Planned Parenthood workers voted to unionize. Mm -hmm. And they did. And Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains came back and said, well, if you're not going to include everyone in the workers of Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains, which again spans four states, Mm -hmm. then we should include no one. Okay. And additionally, the party line, and I'll just read a quote really quick from someone that I spoke to, is that unions are great and we respect workers' rights, but but unions are not the right thing for our organization. Okay. Now... There's a lot to unpack here, right? Yeah, it sounds like uh, this is going to be nuanced and complicated. It is, sort of. But there's a lot to unpack. So I want to first start with when I spoke to many of the Planned Parenthood workers that I spoke to. The one thing that they wanted to make clear from the very beginning was this. All of us work for Planned Parenthood because we are passionate about working for Planned Parenthood. We're passionate about patient rights. We're passionate about patient care. We're passionate about health care. We're passionate about abortion rights. And what we are asking for is a seat at the table. 
Yeah, and, and these, nothing more. And these are not high-paying jobs. Correct. I, I know that. One of the people time. I spoke to said that when she first started, and this was in like intake and basic patient care, right? Twelve dollars an hour in yeah. Colorado. Yeah, it's a little more. It's now, about but. as much as you make working at um, retail friendlies or considering what these people have to go through and the abuse that they take and the, yeah, the danger they the put danger that they in. put themselves in. They're targets, yeah. Correct. So, but what they all wanted me to tell you was we, our first and most important objective is patient care yeah. and health care. Yeah, of course. And that we also, patient care is being affected by this, right? Because they have this really high turnover rate. Mm -hmm. Because as passionate as you are about working for Planned Parenthood, most people who do so do, cannot afford to do so. Mm -hmm. They have a great benefits package from what I've heard. Sure. But that the reason that they want to unionize is because they are so passionate about patient care. And that they want to care for their patients in the best possible way that they can, but they also have to be taken care of. And that working together is the thing that they want. Can we interject something real quick? News that happened this week regarding Trump and Planned Parenthood that is mm -hmm. going to feed into sort of a devil's mm -hmm. advocate hypothesis mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. um, so Trump announced that he's going to try to change Title X funding so that it won't go to Planned Parenthood. Correct. Do, do I have that correct? That is correct. Right. So, yes. And I want to talk about that in addition to this. Mm -hmm. And I want that to be a part of this because the people that I talked to this week about Planned Parenthood, the other thing they really wanted me to know was that the people that work there that are trying to unionize don't want a backlash against the mission of the organization or the importance of the organization. One person told me, you know, we're literally changing lives and saving lives. Mm -hmm. And that is all we want to do. We just also want to be able to live. Yeah, th that's the problem. And, you know, in a way, Trump and Pence, especially Pence, their mission is kind of working in that sense that they're they're creating these well here's it's not about them well i right? think it kind of is no. that, that's my point i'm gonna get to I, I i don't think so because when i talked to these people what they told me was you know the mission of planned parenthood is vital and it is is not to be fucked with because i asked really honest questions like you know fuck planned parenthood's like the thing we got if it's corrupt or if it's not good what where do we go and they were like no 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 like planned parenthood in its mission and 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 in the way that it delivers services is vital and important and we don't want to change any of that yeah however and and I and I'm not trying to sour people on planned parenthood too that's the other thing like I'm not trying to say planned parenthood is bad right but there is an an opposition of values here that I think we have to talk about. And their mission, yeah. Pence's mission isn't working in that, like, I'm not trying to work for the right no, wing. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What, 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 let, let's, 
Let's put on the devil's advocate hat for just a second and imagine you're Planned Parenthood's leadership, like the upper mm-hmm. up, upper levels of leadership. Mm-hmm. And you are under assault from the White House and the vice president who's the president waiting in the wings and Congress and state and, and houses and governorships everywhere. And you're probably very nervous about where is the funding going to continue? Is it going to change this Title 10 thing? And you're you're probably just figuring... Now's not the time for this. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying I could see where they're coming from when they're terrified of how are they going to be able to keep providing the services when there are so many threats from so many angles to the funding that like they're like, we just we can't with this right now. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. And I, and I think that... I think it's wrong. Uh, okay, that's fine. And, and that may, may, may very well be the case. But I think that, unfortunately, you know, it's not just the full frontal assault and saying Planned Parenthood is bad unless it's completely defunded. No, no, no. It's that creating this sense of unease and nervousness and uncertainty, you know, has these ripple effects. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's true. And at the same time, um, there. One of the things that I've talked to about with a bunch of people is that this news was particularly upsetting because of that value set, mm-hmm. right? And this hypocrisy, and and there's a, a little bit of emotional manipulation going on, which is, and this has been going on far before Trump. Right. It's not like they slashed workers' wages Mm -hmm. because Trump came into office and they were unsure about what would happen. Right. They've paid their employees shit forever Uh with the idea that, well, if you really care about the cause, it doesn't matter how much you get paid. Right. Right. And so there's that component to it. Right. Or that, like any NPO, it's. It's just not a lot of money in it if you're going to work for an NPO. Yeah, but that's not the case with Planned Parenthood. There's a lot of money. And you, you think? And that, what does it go? You to? think that the board of directors and the executives are making big, like, private sector CEO no. type money? No. What I'm saying is that <clears throat> one of the persons I talked to was telling me that they decided to not contribute the portion of their paycheck, which was very small, um, to the general fund anymore because Uh what they realized was that that money was going toward exorbitant lawyer fees to fight the effort to unionize amongst the workers of Planned Parenthood. Mm, Okay, fair. And... Uh, one of their major donors decided. All fees are exorbitant. I, tell, tell me about it. <laughs> one of their one of their major donors decided also, in light of this news, not to not donate, uh-huh. but not to donate to the general fund mm-hmm. and only to donate to the um, abortion care fund, okay. which just supports low-income women who can't afford abortions and get Mm -hmm. subsidized Mm -hmm. because the United States government just for the record once again for the millionth fucking time does not subsidize abortion and doesn't pay for abortion no that's all privately funded even though they'll lie to you every single day there's a literal law that says that 
federal funding can't go toward abortion care. Uh So they're losing funding. But this is the thing that I guess I want to talk a lot about what happened. But I want to say that, like, the biggest take home message that I got from the people that I talked to was one, the management versus the people on the ground. There's a there's a gap. There, sure. Right. Yeah. And the people who actually do healthcare for people, the the things that they provide, which are the things that as advocates of Planned Parenthood, we're constantly fighting for. Right. Mm-hmm. We're fighting for Planned Parenthood because why? And the why is because of the healthcare that they provide, and that healthcare includes abortion care. But it's also healthcare, so it's both. But the people who provide that healthcare and that abortion care. And the things that we're constantly fighting for are the people who are saying, hey, you know, we need to be paid a living wage. And we even not that they're just saying we'd like to have a seat at the table. Yeah. We'd like to have a seat at the table with management. Yeah. The other things I've heard are that because of their pay problem and I think just toxic work environment generally um it's hard to work for Planned Parenthood it's hard right yeah it's a hard place to work especially on the front lines it's hard and management doesn't do that so they don't fully understand and one of the things that I heard over and over was like we just want to seat at the table to explain to them why it's hard and how it's hard and what we think would be better and that's what a union is right that's all it is is workers saying, hey, I don't think you guys fully understand our working conditions. We'd like to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. They're not demanding like giant salaries or anything. They're just saying, we'd like a seat at the fucking table and we'd like a living wage and we'd like to be able to tell you about what it's like working on the ground here so that you can understand. Okay, so the, uh, let's to clarify, your sources mm-hmm. um, that you talked to tonight, Yeah, they are former... Planned Parenthood employees? Yes, and a couple of current ones, all of whom will remain anonymous. Uh, yes, they're going to remain anonymous, just, just so the listeners understand. Yes. And obviously they are all pro this idea of unionization. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very much so. They very much feel like it, their, their interests would be best served if they could band together and talk to management as a whole rather than individually going to their manager and bitching. Yeah. Right? That's the point of unions. Well, this is interesting. <clears throat> um, any other interesting tidbits that you found out from these sources? I do have a lot of them. Um, uh, so the federal, like the big the umbrella tent, right, of Planned Parenthood that sort of manages all these affiliates. These affiliates have their own rules and and things that they can do. And there's this one affiliate out of Oregon who managed to unionize a couple of years ago. And it has worked really well Mm -hmm. for their workers and for their um, managers and for their patients. And the world did not burn down and nothing blew up and the workers are better suited and the patients are better taken care of. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Can, can I ask you something? Sure. So there's my theory of why 
specifically Planned Parenthood of the Rockies, is scared to go this direction. Mm-hmm. Did any of your sources say, like, why do they think management is doing this? Why are they fighting this? Um, there seemed to be a general consensus that management was really far away from the on-the-ground work. That a lot of the management people were young and unexperienced and their turnover rate was pretty high and that the people who got promoted to management had this like single-minded goal of like progressing Planned Parenthood and not so much taking care of the people that are the reason people care about Planned so Parenthood. So just building the brand and right, and less out the books about and like, but but less about like the reason people give a shit about Planned Parenthood is because of the work that these people do. Uh huh. That's the that's why we care, right? We care because I can go there and get an HPV vaccine or a, a Pap smear or an abortion or uh, an STD test or condoms or birth control. Yeah. The, the reason that we care about Planned Parenthood is because of the services that they provide. And the people who are providing those services are not being taken care of by the organization. Okay. And that's the thing. And so when I asked people, and I asked a lot of people, what do we do? <clears throat> because Planned Parenthood is the, is the organization for reproductive rights. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that the right attacks, it's the thing that the left lauds, it's the thing that people donate to, it's all of the things. And so when I asked them, what do we do? Do you want a different organization? Do you want new management? Do you want, like, how do we how do we go forward from this point? Because this is a thing, right? Yeah. Like, this is not acceptable, that the workers who work for Planned Parenthood are not only being treated shitty, but also the organization publicly is defying their attempt to unionize. At the same time saying other organizations should unionize and we 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 love unions and unions are good and workers' rights are a thing that we support, quote, it's just not right for our organization. So what do we do? And overall, everyone said <clears throat> we just want to unionize. Right? <laughs> we don't want to get rid of Planned Parenthood. Nobody wants to get... Like, none None of them don't want to work there. None of them were like, I hate this place. It's awful. It was just, we just want to unionize. And we also... And I was like, is a change in management necessary? And the overwhelming response I got was, there needs to be social pressure from liberals yeah, to say, hey, we hold you to this same standard. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that's why I'm talking about this. It's not because I hate Planned Parenthood. I fucking love Planned Parenthood. And every single one of them said to me, Planned Parenthood's mission and goal is sound and good, and we do this work every day for a reason, and I want to keep doing it, and I... I'm passionate about it and everyone should be and keep donating and do all the things. Yeah. However, the social pressure from liberals who donate has to get there. We have to say, hey, you don't you're not an exception. You don't get to treat your workers like shit and expect us not to notice. Yeah. Right? Liberals have to come out. It can't come from the right. They don't give a shit about anybody and they hate them. So it has to and come from And they hate unions us. anyway. Right. So we we as liberals who love Planned Parenthood and you should love Planned Parenthood. You should and you should donate. Yeah. And but you should as a person who day. donates tell them, "Hey, 
this is bullshit. Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains in particular, but also PPFA. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. No, we're not. I'm not going to. I don't want to give my money to Union Bust. Right. I'm not. I, it's not part of my value set. And so if there needs to be a change in leadership, there needs to be a change in leadership. I don't know. But Would the you, overwhelming yeah. message I got was social and particularly liberal social pressure to them saying, we are not okay with this. We are not okay with this. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what firm is representing? Uh... I don't. No. <laughs> I did not ask. You could probably find out. I don't think that they knew any of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I could find out very quickly. But yeah. no, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's not my firm, for sure. Um, yeah, you, you would certainly know that. I would, yeah. I would be, uh, yeah. Okay, so in closing on this topic, um, I'm not trying to tell you that Planned Parenthood is bad. I'm telling you that, I, I want to read a quote really quick from someone that I talked to. Okay. And she said, um, people idealized Planned Parenthood and put it on a pedestal as a perfect organization. And I did too before I started working there. But when you do that, you make it the end-all and be-all of organizations, and it makes it impossible to swallow that they could do something that you don't agree with. But no organization is ever going to do something you don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And the follow-up to that was, and when you idealize an organization like that, and they do something you don't agree with, it's your responsibility to tell them. Because the only way they're going to change that is if people tell them that that's not okay. And they are very responsive to that kind of pressure. So I would ask of my listeners, and especially of my reproductive rights advocates and allies and people who care about this as much as I do, and I know so many of you do, I would really ask you to email Vicki Cowart, V-I-C-K-I-C-O-W-A-R-T. She is the head of Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. And I would ask you to email her. Her information is on the web. I'm not going to try to read her email address right now. And just tell her how you feel about this unionization uh union busting effort and how you feel about the organization and the value set and all the stuff we talked about because from everyone that I talked to it was very clear to me that they are very sensitive to social pressure and very sensitive to the people who support them and so if you're somebody who supports reproductive rights and someone who supports workers rights I would encourage you to let them know that both of those things matter to you and that you will be considering your donations and considering your support with both of those things in mind. And if they get enough emails and they get enough phone calls and they get enough, it's just like Congress people, right? Mm-hmm. We might be able to really enact a change. Okay. And that was what everyone said to me was, I, you know, I labored about whether to do this or not because I love Planned Parenthood and I love what they do. And everyone that I talked to said to me, I don't want you to say that Planned Parenthood is bad or that our mission is bad because what we do every day is change and save lives. But this is a thing that they need to be pushed on 
This is a thing that they need to hear about from people who care about this mission. So that's the thing I'd ask you to do if you wouldn't mind. I'd really appreciate it. Okay. All right. What uh, What is next on our list? Oh, my God. You guys, so that's my big rampage. We have so much to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Well, there was a shooting this <clears throat> morning um, in Indian, Indiana. It was close to Indianapolis, I believe, at a middle school. Uh, a kid barges into a science classroom, fired a couple shots at somebody. Um, the last I heard was two people were injured. Uh, nobody killed yet, to my knowledge. The science teacher was able to tackle the kid and get the gun away from him. So he was not armed and he didn't need to be armed, which was, uh, you know, interesting, I guess, uh, if you want to talk about that debate again. But, um, and then there were a few tweets about it and now nobody's really talking about it. Because ho-hum, it's just another day in America, another school shooting. And granted, there wasn't a huge body count for this one, so maybe there's So just, it doesn't matter then? It's not as much interest, but another kid got a hold of a gun, most likely a parent's gun, that I'm sure was most likely bought legally. Don't know what kind of gun. Very sketchy on the details, just not that many people are interested in it, so we're not getting a lot of details. And barged in and shot a classmate. And um, a, a teacher was able to disarm him without another gun because you know it would have been much better if all the teachers started spraying bullets just, everywhere can I just barge in on this for a second and uh-huh. talk about what happened with the armed robbery thing yeah I can't I cannot having been through something where someone well one of our listeners called it uh, being a victim of gun violence and I I wasn't sure how I felt about that because I wasn't shot at Technically or, true. you know, right. But I was, <laughs> I was trying to like process it with my dad, who's like a big gun guy, right? My brothers who are gun people, sort of like they like to shoot them at things that are inanimate, not hunters really. And... I asked all three of them really seriously, at what point should I have brought a gun out, right? There's a guy who comes up behind me and points a gun at me. Do you think that at some point I should have pulled a gun out of my holster or purse or like right. bra? Right, done like a Wild West Would I have just out. gotten shot? And the answer is yes. Yeah. So... Having had that just happen, it, it strikes me as, like, so absurd that, like, carrying a gun around will help you. No. Just... <laughs> There's just no possibility well, that... You, that just doesn't work that way. You know, sometimes it's pretty simple, right? That you, you don't have to put a lot of heavy intellectualized uh, thought into this idea that the problem we have in this society with too many guns and too much gun violence is more and more and more guns. Yeah, that's, that's. I think a lot in, of people insane. would die if I had had a gun. At least one. Yes. Who knows if it would have been me or him or Both Sandy or, or a passerby or a cop. Who knows? Yeah. Right? Instead, I just got pistol whipped and I'm fine and everyone's alive. Had I pulled a gun out, who knows? But anyway... 
going back to school shootings. Yeah. So the teacher was able to disarm this young man without a gun. Yeah, yeah. Apparently he was in position to sort of tackle him from behind or I, I, I don't know the details because there's just not a lot of coverage. So we don't have a lot of details. But that's what I got. Two people shot, apparently. Shooter in custody. And it's just another day in America. And I guess I guess every show will be reporting on at least one school shooting. Thoughts and Her prayers. Day. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, that's, really, wanna, that's really all I got on that because that's all the information. I want to um, jump off that to talk about the information that we've learned recently about the school shooter in Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this kind of coverage about it. Um, John Cornyn, of all people, decided to weigh in and talk about how he, he was bullied or something. So, I'm sorry to make this, I'm not sorry, it's just, the world is what it is, I'm going to talk about it the way the truth is. There were a lot of Columbine flashbacks, weren't there, in the last few days? Well, except that, yes, and all of them are bullshit. Yes. So. But I read it, yeah. Yeah. About trench coats and and video games. Trench coat and and blah, okay. What? The facts that we know are is that there was a student at the school who was a girl mm-hmm. and he had a crush on her. And he relentlessly pursued her for four months, even after she repeatedly told him that she was not interested in dating him. Mm-hmm. And he's alive, right? And reports from her mother. And also leaks from law enforcement indicate that he was so angry that she kept refusing his advances, Mm -hmm. rejecting him, they keep saying, that he killed her and then he killed nine other people. Mm. And some of the headlines have been like, school shooter rejected by girl, da da da, right? And it's this idea that, like, poor guy, he got rejected so he many times that he just couldn't handle it. And it puts this blame on her. And then right? we, we get into a little bit of overlap with the whole incel stuff. Exactly right. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, that poor kid. He just got rejected so many times that he just couldn't handle it anymore. And so he finally, if no, if he couldn't have her, no one could have her. And so he murdered her and then he killed nine other people out of his sense of rejection. Hmm. And that's like kind of been the like media coverage of the motive. And as me, and I hope as all of you, I want to be like, I want to rewrite all of those headlines and be like, you know, man who felt entitled to a girl he liked who rejected him, sorry, who didn't want to date him, reacted violently and murdered her. And nine And nine other people. Because putting the onus of this on her is just another way 
to be like, this is valid. This idea that men are entitled to the women that they like, whether the women like them back or not, is irrelevant, right? Men are entitled to the women that they like, and when they don't get what they want, they you better look boys out, will be boys, they and could, they could just explode. you never know. And then in turn, like, flipping that to why don't women come forward? You know, it's like, it's so hard to explain this to people who don't experience it mm-hmm. but there it's very like saying no to a man is dangerous yeah frankly scary it is it's scary and most of us and as adults understand that right she's 14 so she's just like no i don't want to fucking date you no gross no go away no gross gross go away right and she should be able to do that That's a thing that women and girls and every human being, regardless of your gender identity or anything else, should be able to say is no thank you. No, not interested and I don't want to do that. As adult women, we are much more cautious because we've been through a lot more and we've maybe had some experiences where when you say like, God, no, definitely not to a man, it goes really badly in one way or another. And it ties into this idea of why don't women just say no? Or why don't they just come forward earlier? Or Mm -hmm. why don't they whatever? And I saw this meme earlier that was like, men, right? Um, I don't want to be too mean to say no to her because it might hurt her feelings. Right. And then a woman being like, I don't want to be too mean and say no because I don't want to get literally murdered or get like nine of my classmates murdered. (laughs) Right? Like, this isn't a hypothetical situation that we're talking about. This isn't some sort of rhetorical conversation that we're having as women about men and, and rejection. Women are very, very clear about the dangers of rejecting men too strongly Mm -hmm. particularly in person particularly if you have to see that person every day like at work or at school or whatever right Mm -hmm. you can like ghost a dude on tinder if he doesn't know where you live but like a guy at work a guy at school you know your boss your neighbor your neighbor your coworker. that shit's fucking dangerous Right? And I'd just like to see different coverage of it. I'd like to see it be, you know, crazed entitled man kills reasonable woman yeah. who rejected him. You know, instead of like this poor bullied kid killed heart these people sick. because yeah. he was heart sick and yeah. he got rejected too many times. Yeah. Like it right. just puts all the onus on this girl who just didn't want to fucking date him. And she's allowed to not want to do that. We're all allowed to not want to date you. All of us. Every single person on earth is allowed to not want to date any other single person on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on that note of entitlement and horrible men, uh, Harvey Weinstein was cuffed today. I really love this so much. Um, So. Yeah. Yeah. Cuffed and booked and... 
yeah, it's not just the stuff he did way in the past. He, they, some of the statute of limitations stuff did not run out. And uh, it, this was in New York yep. specifically. Yep. Um, there was one from like 2003, one from 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sexual assault. Three charges: two yeah. of sexual assault and one of something else that's complicated. That I don't remember the actual charge. Um, but this makes me really happy because. Why, Trev? Because it 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 is the one of the few examples of a man in in a tremendous position of power who abused a number of women actually now facing justice. It and it's not about privilege, right? Like he's already been completely disowned from the Weinstein Company and every media Hollywood. What this is like. Sexual assault is a crime, mm-hmm. right? It's a crime. So I don't really care if you like, oh, you lost your job. That's good enough. It's not good enough. If you were to sexually assault people, Travis, you wouldn't like get fired and everyone would be like, that's probably fine. <laughs> no, I would right? go to prison. You would go to prison. Why the fuck did Harvey Weinstein not already go to prison? And, and this yeah. is the first sign that that kind of thing is starting to happen. And you, ha- if you haven't read the whole Ronan Farrow piece and some of the other pieces about how there was an orchestrated attempt to hu- to blackball his accusers, and they they still did face, they still to this day some of them um, had their careers sort of sidetracked or sidelined. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He hired this. Um, there's there's a Trump angle too to this. He hired the same. Is, yeah. Israeli firm to kind of try to dig up dirt on the families of his accusers. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was this orchestrated effort to shut everybody up and to, and, and, and just before there were any accusations, just the women who rejected his advances were retaliated against. Yeah. So this yeah. is, this is a, a, a monster of unbelievable proportions. This isn't just a creepy guy who, who, grabbed a boob or kind of a, a, a gross perv like we're going to get said to some shit like we're going to get to another one unfortunately that to add to the list that it was beloved or is beloved um, and um, yeah he no, uh, Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted raped multiple tens of tens of dozens of women yeah there's no question about it uh, the, the, uh, the descriptions of what happened and, and what um one of his accusers said at Cannes this year, um, the Italian actress, mm-hmm. um, who was much maligned in the media because she continued a relationship with him after that. Do you remember? Right, yes. Her, I can't remember, I don't remember her, her name. name. I will find it. But she was presenting an award at Cannes um, last week, and she just said, like, Harvey Weinstein raped me when I was 21, mm-hmm. and it was at Cannes, and he used Cannes as a hunting ground. And sure. there are people in this audience who knew about it and covered it up, and all of you are going to be uncovered, and we're not having it anymore. And it Good. was, um, oh God, I just had her name. Um, Sophia. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know why I was thinking Sophia. Sargento. What was her first name? Anyway. I'm sorry to trouble you with it, but anyway, yeah, like, 
this isn't just like, oh, he said a weird thing at work. He sexually assaulted many women. And two more things I want to get to before the break uh, about two more gross, horrible men in Hollywood. Uh, Morgan Freeman apparently has been, has said, apparently there was nothing physical, although I might be getting that wrong. I read the story quickly in CNN, but a lot of very inappropriate um, comments and things said to a lot of uh, female um, Including things and, like trying to lift up people's skirts to see if they were wearing underwear and talking yes, about it. Yes, like, okay. Okay, More we're not like we're not talking Harvey Weinstein level of abuse, but we're talking with Gross the and movement about being at work and having someone pick up your skirt to find out if you're wearing underwear and asking about it. So eight That's eight, not yeah. okay. Eight women have accused him of these sorts of things and yes. there are sixteen eyewitnesses apparently. Correct. And I had corroborating witnesses. Corroborating witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I had this idiot on Twitter in the oh, hall like, so "You're rushing to judgment," and, and it's like, "Due process." Do, and it, like, "Due process" no. does not mean what you think it means. I am judge and jury in the court of public opinion, and based on the testimony of eight uh, people and sixteen witnesses, I am saying he's gross. Okay, that you know, argue with me about that all you want. And by the way, have we not learned? Enough that when there are multiple accusers of these men, like it, the never, it never it never fucking... turns out. No, it never turns out that they're all lying. Right now, they're they're like if there's isolated cases like the George Takai, it uh-huh. just kind of came out that now she's yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe he, I was wrong. Which he, I'm going to reserve judgment. He he said he, maybe maybe no, I was no, no. wrong. His accuser was a male. Yeah, and his accuser accused George Takai of inappropriate behavior in the 80s, and after um, some questioning recanted yeah and said no that didn't actually happen as did the ex-girlfriend of reuben foster but that was to do with i think physical abuse and then on the topic i am sure you saw the uh interview with the cast of arrested development i didn't and i don't know anything about it but before we get to that (laughs) can i just say a thing yes about george takei yes um When these cases come out that are untrue, and the 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 less than two percent of women who make these things up, or and men, there was a or people, right? Mm-hmm. There was also, I think, you told me about a football player, Reuben Foster. Yeah, yeah, that's him. What, yeah, okay, people don't his, know who Reuben Foster is. Maybe. His ex girlfriend just recanted her whole story. Okay, so in court, I think what that does is it it puts a little chip on the side yeah. of. All the people who say, well, maybe, 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 yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's people, blah, blah, blah. And I think anybody listening to me at this point who still wants to listen to me talk probably <laughs> agrees with me that that's bullshit. But I read this article today that said, you know, maybe if one or two famous men get caught up in this and it gets proven wrong, it's the price you pay for the millions of us who were acted upon and who were abused and can't say anything or who weren't believed. And it's not to say that it's okay that that happened to George Takei, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not to say that it's okay. Yeah, but it's, I, a, it's to say that that's a price that men have to pay at some point. That a couple of you, one or two, are going to get caught up before you get exonerated. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm a hundred percent down with that line of thinking. 
Um, I think well, you know what in, in millions of us have been accused of lying for centuries. Oh, absolutely. So if one or two famous men get accused of it and exonerated later, that doesn't hurt my heart that much. Sure, sure. And and, and I think George Takei is going to do just fine ultimately, and Reuben Foster is going to do just fine. There's arguments that some other men caught up in stuff like this totally have their lives ruined and it's not fair and that's a different debate for another time you know no. the, the fact remains that millions upon millions of women do not come forward are not believed are still suffering to this day and that's the problem the the the, the epidemic is not the um is not the men the unicorn of a, a being man. accused yeah. that being wrongly accused the the that's not the epidemic the epidemic is women being sexually assaulted and sexually harassed yes. constantly and i'm sorry if i disagree with you that like you know if millions of women aren't believed and are pushed off by the cops and whatever that's fine but like two famous dudes are falsely accused and later exonerated is not fine that's an unequal balance of justice no I'm not I'm not that's I, I, okay we're, <laughs> we're getting a little a little weedy here on the on the fil- f- the philosophy of this we're, we're totally in, a, in agreement here yeah um, but I, I guess sort of the idea of the ritualistic sacrifice of potentially innocent people I'm not necessarily like oh that's fine oh either right i'm always of the opinion that like a hundred men should go free who are guilty before one man goes to jail who is innocent right right. at the same time (laughs) sorry george takei that's awful you know george takei kept kept his head though and he didn't go crazy and he he just said you know he was he flatly denied everything and kept his cool and you know didn't run to fox news or anything like that you know he he didn't change ultimately who he was and now he's been exonerated yeah so and hopefully yeah. people realize that but anyway i wanted to get to the arrested development thing because it but really I, I wish i knew more about it i heard like i know that something happened okay that jeffrey was very explosive the actor jeffrey tambor is apparently a nightmare on the set he is verbally yes. abusive he's an ass i don't think it's so much sexual as it is like just being demeaning and awful and he's just like my boss yeah yeah like like a hyper version of your boss but like worse like making you know his his and co-stars he's the person cry. who is playing a transgender woman for reasons that no one understands right but on and, the show uh-huh. um which you know i can't remember that but anyway during this yeah. interview for transparent the, for the Go new ahead. york times which just came mm-hmm. out a day or two ago um he these women are there retell everybody's there including tambor and he he, these women are retelling the stories of what a nightmare it was to work with him and they're literally bursting into tears they're talking about what hell it while was while he's sitting right there while he's sitting right there wow and all the male co-stars are jumping in to defend Tambor <gasps> yeah that's that was, are you serious that was everybody's reaction so Jason Bateman what and I forget who else was in that show basically all David Cross uh, yeah I don't know exactly what Cross said but basically all the male co-stars just jumped in to defend Jeffrey Tambor are you fucking said, kidding it's me it's time to forgive him and move holy on holy shit yeah you're gonna have to read oh that. <laughs> no yeah I I had a very I'm sorry no the audience the, I had a very busy work week and I did not 
things like Arrested Development didn't seem particularly pertinent. Rachel, the entire internet reacted the way you just did. The whole world reacted like you just did. fucking seriously? Yeah. Are Are you not... No. I wish I was kidding. And, no. and first of all, can, can, no. can I pull out my old Trav Hipster card? I always thought that show was so overrated, and I never understood why people were so crazy about it. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, no, not me. I love it so not much. Not me. Sorry. I can only do it in short bursts because it gets a little, it's it's a, it's a little absurdist and a little, like, much. But yeah, it's it's venturing it's into like, that modern family territory. No, it's completely goofy. the opposite. It's completely the opposite of that because it's, you know why you hate it? Why? We want to let the... Uh, listeners into a <laughs> part of Trump's why do way. I hate it? You Tell hate me. it because every character on the show is hateable, and you find shows that make everyone on the show just like reprehensible people. You can't get into. No, it's I true. wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Yes, it's I true. No, yes, it's true. No, I get where they're going with making no. every character reprehensible, but it's like. When no. the satire goes past 11, it becomes That's farcical. Why. That's why it becomes past 11 for you. Is you you cannot, you can't, there's no story for you there. There's no emotional core? There's no emotional core because everyone's hateable. It's the same as um, some of the arguments that have been made on um, the the thing we watch. The people with the, in like Minnesota. Oh, Fuck. right. The mastermind thing? No, best of the worst. Those people. Oh. Right? They argue the same thing. Like, everyone's so hateable. How do I love this show? You have oh, you're talking about Red Letter Media. Red Letter okay. Media, right? I mean, Wisconsin, not Minnesota. All right. I don't know. Somewhere anyway, up there. Anyway, we're, we're way over on the break here. So we're oh. going to take a break. Right. And, and Rachel might try to, <laughs> Rachel should try to find that article. Unless which, she's overheard the, the New York Times oh, Development Oh, article. definitely. I'm reading that on the break. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, we got a lot, a lot more to cover when we get back. So definitely. Back to Reverend Testimony. During the break, Rachel did a little reading. You, anything you want to add about what we were talking about? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, God, how awful. And, you know, I knew that Jeffrey Tambor got um, ejected from Transparent uh, because he said some things that were not okay. Mm-hmm. And... That's the fun thing about representation and about having people who run shows and people who write shows and people who direct shows um, that are from different backgrounds proves to us is that um, when gross people like this man come on their sets and do things that they're accustomed to doing and getting away with, they don't get away with them when we have greater representation on the 
the executive level and the writing and directing and, and show running part of the show. Mm-hmm. Reading um, Jason Bateman's <laughs> rebuttal, I guess, of <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor's behavior uh, was pretty horrifying. Um, and it goes back to this idea that we talk about a lot on the podcast, you and I, which is men's responsibility to check other men. Yes. And in this space where this woman is saying, this is what this man did to me, and there are two other men, one was a witness to what he did, Uh and one was the man... The witness, who's a man, defended the man <laughs> rather than say, I'm so sorry that you had to put up with and, that. And, and beyond that, when it happened, right? If he's a witness, oh, yeah, do anything. why did he not say, hey, fucking stop? Apparently some people the did fuck? to Morgan Freeman. Really? Yeah. Apparently some people were like, dude, no, that is not cool. Um, of course, Morgan Freeman, not a white man. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. Well, <sighs> probably not. But, um, yeah. But, but getting back to this, it's not just, it's not just about his excusing of the behavior during an interview about the behavior as a witness. It's about the fact that as a witness in the moment, he didn't say anything. Yeah. Right. And that's the point. And that's the thing I would like to say to you and to all of the the, the men out there, the mans. Um, it's not really helpful for us if you feel bad about it later. It's really not helpful for us if you defend the guy later. But even if you just feel bad about not saying anything later, that's not that helpful. What we need from you is to say something right then. Mm-hmm. To say something right in that moment. Yeah, to call As out. another man to say, hey, not okay. Hey, that's... Cut it hey out. Hey, man, hey, man, like, chill. Don't do that. Hey, it's not a cool thing to do. Whatever language men use, I don't fucking know. But, like, to say it in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we need you to do. Yeah. And that's not what Jason Bateman did. And then not what he continued to do and not what he did until he was fully... Uh, shamed. Shamed, exactly. Yeah. Um, publicly about those things. So um, I guess as a reminder, Trav, what should men do? Well, besides not be gross and not be pervs? Uh-huh. Uh, speak up if you see another man who's mistreating or being gross or being inappropriate or making a woman's life in the workplace miserable and to other white folks same to you yeah when you see people making white people making people of color feel weird or gross or inappropriate on the subway or in starbucks or in your workplace yeah it's your job speak up to say hey not okay yeah. Not okay. And it's going to be super uncomfortable, and you're going to feel super uncomfortable. But you know what you're going to do? 
in that right. moment is become an ally. Yes. And you don't get to be an ally by saying you are one. You get to be an ally by being one. Okay. I I, I want to talk about some uh, really important news that sort of broke today and in the last few days in terms of uh, Border Patrol. Okay. Um, the ACLU just released a very detailed report on Wednesday uh, talking about, and this goes back to the Obama administration era mm-hmm. um, and up through today, of Border Patrol agents physically, sexually, and verbally abusing children. That they have separated from their families at the border. Not only the ones that they've separated, but just... Generally. Generally, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is as horrifying and grotesque as you could imagine. And I think the press doesn't even know what to do with it because it's that bad. it's that bad. Yeah. And DHS supposedly investigate. DHS is trying to play it both ways. DHS came out with a comment that said, well, we looked into it and there was nothing there, but it also doesn't take into account all the improvements we've made and all the things that we're doing now to keep bad things from happening. It's like, okay, you're totally contradicting yourself. Right. Even it, it right It didn't there. happen, and we're going to stop it, what hap- didn't happen didn't from happen happening. didn't happen from happening again, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was pretty horrifying, and, and there's a variety of reasons they stayed for it. Uh, bad pay, bad training... Rush, bad recruitment, bad recruitment, mm-hmm. all the things you could imagine. Bad oversight, obviously. But this was a pretty explosive, eye-opening report, and I urge you to find it. Just look up ACLU Border Patrol report, and it's bad. It's as bad as you can imagine. And then in the last few days, since the last few weeks or so, since this new policy of separating kids from their parents yeah. has come out, those who have been able to witness it, it's as horrifying as you could imagine. Well, and 1,500 kids went missing. Yes, I they haven't even gotten to that. They just went missing. There are some 1,475 children who are now unaccounted for officially, right. and there's worries that some of those kids may have been picked up by human traffickers yeah, or smugglers. I, I, they, I don't they think don't that know. that's... I mean, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but I don't think that's a worry. I think that's a fact. Yeah. These kids are, quote, unaccounted for, which means they're somewhere... They were in the possession yeah. of DHS, mm-hmm. and now they're not, and no one knows where they are. Right. Uh, I would like to think it's some sort of paperwork problem, but it, it seems worse But when worse they than come that. back to, it's not a paperwork problem, we literally don't know where they are. So where did they go? So we have dehumanized these people to the point where yeah. they are just not people. Can we talk about that? Yeah. With the MS-13 animals comments from the Trump White House? Yeah, uh, that bothered me because a lot of the press, for some reason, decided Trump should get the benefit of the doubt and rushed in to say, oh, well, he was, no, he was just talking about specifically gang members. And You don't get to dehumanize anybody. No, no, you don't. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're a gang member. It doesn't matter if you are a criminal or a felon or a murderer or a rapist. You still get to be a human being and not an animal. And the fact that the Trump administration put on the White House website an article about MS-13 members being animals 
and referenced it, I think it was someone said to me 13 times, used the word animals instead of like gang members or members or, you know, humans or whatever. That's the like kind of like second to last step of, you know. Full on fascism. Yeah. Not fascism, but like, you know, just killing of a people, right? Like, look, (laughs) some dude assaulted me and I wouldn't call him an animal. He's still a human being, Mm -hmm. right? These, everybody's a person. Even if you're a member of a gang, even if you're a member of MS-13 and you have committed horrific atrocities, right? You are still a human being and you still have due process rights and you still have the rights of everyone else that lives in this country. And when you start calling people animals, what you do is you build that bridge to saying maybe they don't have those rights. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't get to have those same things. Maybe we are okay to just kill them on site. Maybe it is okay. And then moreover... MS-13 is whoever Trump and ICE and the Border Patrol decides Decide as MS-13. And as right. we could say, they're doing a bang-up job with protecting human rights and being humane to people. So right. you can see where this can all go. Um, yeah, it, it was a pretty frightening, depressing week in terms of how the United States is dealing with human rights. And this was a big explosive story and it's starting to percolate and it's starting to get people's attention. Mm -hmm. Um, and it needs to a lot more and really, uh, Democrats in Congress should have been screaming about this today, but they all left early for the holiday, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, so did everybody at my office except me and my boss. Yeah. Yeah. We were working today. We worked until the very end of the day. This is a thing that is going to need to be talked about because it's explosive and it's eye-opening and it's horrifying. And it's a test, right? What we're very concerned with, but when Trump won the election and everything else has been happening, it's like like a facade was ripped off what America is. We like to... I'm going to repeat this again. We like to tell each other, we see this in like commercials and we see it, you know, even like liberals and politicians like to say like... As Americans, we're good and we have a moral compass and we care and, you know, things matter and we come together as communities to do things. We have these shared values. We have these shared values. And it's like that might not be really the case unless it's in our face or it's somebody we know personally. I think there's an empathy gap with a lot of this country. I mean, there obviously is when you look at who's president, but it could be even more pervasive than that. And I think way more if this story kind of dies on the vine and we move past it, that's going to be really well. First of all, it's unacceptable because now we're not stepping in to address the injustices that have been done to these kids and are still being done to these kids. But then we're we've kind of we're really losing our moral compass. Well, and speaking to that, I want to talk about the NFL for a minute. Okay. And their their new, I don't know what you want to call it, mandate? Well, they made it a rule. Everybody knows about the kneeling controversy. started by Colin Kaepernick, and now he's been blackballed from the league. And then other guys decided sometimes they're going to kneel for the national anthem. And again, and reminding sometimes you. sometimes entire teams kneeled. Yeah. And like people, and, and so just for the fucking cheap seats. They're kneeling to protest police brutality. Yes, that is against what, black people, and they've made that very clear. Very clear. 
So the NFL owners got together and decided without input, input from the Players Association, which is a sports – I'm not going to get too into the weeds in sports, but the, the NFL Players Union kind of sucks, okay. especially compared to the NBA and other leagues. Okay. But they – the owners basically said – you can stay in the locker room when the anthem is going on, but if you're on the sidelines, you must stand. You are compelled to stand for the national anthem. I don't know what the or and is there. And if you don't do it, I know what it is. Is it fines? It's fines. It's fines. Okay. It's the players fines and against, the teams. No, it's fines against the teams, and the <laughs> teams are allowed to decide how to punish their players, whether it is financially or otherwise, is how the rule is written. Yeah. Uh, I... I it's fucking it's Roger Goodell, man. Fucking crazy. It's right? getting. I'm like, a, I'm a big football fan, and it's getting harder and harder to justify patronizing this league in in light of what they have done and are doing to their players and hiding and falsifying information about brain damage and mm-hmm. now this shit. It's. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I love football. I love football to my core. I played I every single year of high school and junior high. I could have possibly played, even though I'm. 135 pounds soaking wet and got tossed around like a rag doll. I just love the sport so much. I love the game so much. And so much of both at the college and the pro level is so corrupt that it's getting harder and harder and harder to justify. And I, and I, I, I almost feel like I think this is a cop out, but I feel like tuning out is, is like giving in. But I don't know. He, that's another topic for another time. Well, the, the, but I want to talk about this because I think it's important because you're a football fan. Yes. And I am not. Yes. With the exception of the Miami Hurricanes. Right. I'm a very big fan of them. Um, but I think this is an important thing to talk about because I think, you know, being able to reevaluate your ideas and being able to say, this is a thing that I love very much and it's very problematic is a mark of self-reflection that a lot of people need to do about a lot of things. Okay, fair. And your self-reflection about this is important. Yeah. Additionally, I think that, you know, football in general and this idea that the Trump administration could, because they called it a win, right? He was like, we won. Yes. The yeah. NFL did this thing. That da, da, I told them da, da, to do. That I told them to do. Da, da, da. Probably is illegal, by the way. But also. Yeah, well, we're going to see because I think this is before the season and we've got three or four more months before we get to football well, season. One of it's going to get to the courts. One of our lawyer people posted this thing that was uh, some uh, criminal statute code or maybe it was civil statute code that made it clear that this might actually be illegal that mm-hmm. they influence this but beyond that right this idea that like people have the first amendment right to carry torches and scream you know blood and whatever soil or whatever the fuck they say is perfectly fine but we're going to criminally, or I'm sorry, civilly, right, penalize people for kneeling in protest. Those two things are things that we're okay with mm-hmm. right now. And 
you and I were having this conversation the other day, and I said, I hope all of them kneel, right? And you brought up a good point, which was like, they can't kneel. Like, they have their futures to be concerned with. Yeah. And what I meant was like, I hope that the teams that are good in the world will allow their players to do whatever they want to do, and they'll just take the fucking penalty. They won't, because the owners of those teams were the ones that got in a room and decided to do this. And so can we talk about football as, like, a Mandingo sport already? Yeah. Yeah. No. Because, really, that's what it is. We're allowed to just watch, you know, men of color smash into each other for our own pleasure and not allow them to have humanity and say, hey, don't kill us in the streets. Well, that's that's And the white problem, people right? are fine with that. And it, it to me, football is a little bit of a Mandingo sport because yeah. when you take away someone's humanity and you say that you're not allowed, you're not allowed to exercise your First Amendment rights by kneeling, but I'm allowed to watch you hurt your brain mm-hmm. and hurt other men of color and smash into each other for my entertainment, that's fine. Can it I, doesn't feel much more like anything than a Mendingo sport. Can I me. bring something up that I was just remembering today? And I'm, I'm kind of surprised nobody has brought this up. Because I was listening to a little bit of sports radio just to gotta get their feel of it because I mm-hmm. knew they were going to talk about it. And they were getting <laughs> it completely wrong, of course. They were trying to play the both sides game and like – no, there's no both sides. There like, isn't. Like, John, angry Johnny who calls in and claims he's a veteran and is so mad about this and they shouldn't be able to do this. Like, he has every right to be mad and to turn off the TV or to say he doesn't think they should do it. And to protest. That, yeah, and he can go protest the game with the big flag. Yeah, absolutely. And a POW flag that and is, all of the fucking is, hearts and flowers his, and flags. That is his right. Mm-hmm. So, and but scream that, and yell, but that doesn't with a mean megaphone. he needs to get his way and force the players to to have to. Well, stand. he has the same right that they have. Exactly, he can exactly. do that. Yeah, and he's not going to be financially or career wise punished That's for right. doing that. That's right. He just gets to go do that. Right. The the men who are doing just a simple act of kneeling to protest racism, but more particularly police brutality will be fired or fined or I mean let me let me tell you about something that happened in the 90s that was so similar and yet nobody seems to remember it and this has a Denver connection so there was this basketball player named Chris Jackson and he was he was a point guard a talented player and I think he got drafted for the by, Nuggets yeah or? I think he got drafted mm-hmm. by the Nuggets eventually when the controversy came up he was playing somewhere else though I want to say mm-hmm. Sacramento or Brooklyn or something but um, he started with the Nuggets and then he converted to Islam and changed his name to mm-hmm. Mahmoud mm-hmm. Abdul Rauf. Yes. But, you know, yes. back in the 90s, that wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. Uh-oh. No, not pre 9 11. Pre 9 11. Yeah. A lot of uh, black athletes did it. In fact, the Miami Dolphins had a running back named Kareem Abdul Jabbar, just like the famous basketball player. And nobody in Miami cared that this guy was had an Islamic name, not that I remember. You know, but people wore the jer- white guys wore the jerseys. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy Mahmoud Abdul Roof also interestingly, and this is just a complete aside because now I'm remembering him. He had Tourette's syndrome. 
I think he's oh. the only one of the very few basketball players to have Tourette syndrome. And like you could you could watch him when he wasn't didn't have the ball. Like he had tits. Ticking. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was very good. I think he was a borderline all star, maybe an all star once or twice. He was a very good player. And then I think his career got derailed by injuries. But this was about ninety six, ninety seven or so. He was he was doing this thing where during the national anthem, all the guys, all the players would stand, and he would just sit down. He wasn't. He would just like sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. And he would do this all the time, and nobody noticed or cared. And he didn't like, he didn't make a big deal out of it. He didn't talk to reporters. He just, it's just a thing he did. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was literally the same as Kaepernick. It well, was, I it think was, that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the like famous, famous one, did mm-hmm. the same thing, right? I don't remember. I think that he did. He might have. He I'll, sat. He didn't kneel. He just sat. He just sat. Okay. He just sat, and he. It was just like. No. Well, this but, is and people were like, "Oh, it's weird," but like nobody really cared. It was just like, uh, I mean, in my memory, it was just like a small news cycle of like, "That's weird. What's that about?" That that makes sense. But Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, when he did this, I think it was the same thing. I think he was protesting uh, the number of black men that were incarcerated and police brutality. If I remember correctly, it was the same exact happening stuff, right? Right. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was protesting something else at I think the time. It was, I think it might but have been. But it might have been. I think it was something war about. or something because he played the uh, Vietnam era. I don't remember, but he was protesting something social justice. But anyway, so, right. so yeah. the point was this guy, he was just doing it for, I think, more than a season. And then I think like a reporter noticed when he was at a road game. He was maybe playing in Texas or something. So they said, hey, how come he is sitting during the National Anthem? So they went and, and asked him after the game, you know, why do you sit down? And then he explained. And then it made the papers, and then it blew up and became a thing. And the people calling into the sports shows, cursing and screaming, and how dare you disrespect the flag. It's like the dude just was sitting down, and nobody cared and now everybody cares. So somebody in our circle posted something today that I thought was so brilliant. And they said, racism is so akin to America mm. that when people protest racism, most Americans think they're protesting America. Uh, okay. Well, isn't that the truth that you've the truthiest truth you've ever truthed, right? When people are protesting racism, the average American thinks that you're protesting America because racism is so fundamental to who we are. No, I I think it's a little different than that, and I think Al Franken uh, explained it in one of his books. Liberals' relationship with their country and the flag. We, we love our country, but it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's like our relationship with our mothers is the way he described it. We love our mothers, but it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Conservatives love America like it's their mother and they're five years old. <laughs> I love mommy. Why would anybody ever say anything mean about mommy? Mommy is perfect. Mommy is the best. Don't say mean things about mommy, you meanie. Makes sense, right? Until mommy is run by a black man, and then mommy is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone else. No, and that's just the black man. That That's the black man who has taken over. Mom, mommy is still beloved. The, the image 
of whatever it means, the flag, America. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, but I thought that was a really good analogy. And, yeah. and I think it's more that than racism being so synonymous with America that when you're saying racism is bad, you're saying America is bad. I don't even think they have the intellectual capacity. Well, to no, that's that the entire point of the post was that when, when we say, I want to kneel to, to protest, um, police abuse against black people, which is basically saying I would like for black people not to be shot in the streets. Most white people go, you hate America. (laughs) And it's like Uh, hating, hating racism is hating America because hating racism is hating America. That's the truth of it, though. That's the real truth of it, though. It is. Right. You're you. But it is. Well, it is conflating the national anthem with the troops is so stupid. First of all, it's first of all, it was a song written before there were American troops, really. Secondly, it's not like before American troops go into battle. They're not protest. There's nothing to do with the troops. (laughs) Nothing to do with the troops. It's about saying and. That's the other thing I love the most is like there is no right way for black people to protest. No, no, no. They're no. just not allowed to. No. You can't sit down. You can't no. kneel. You can't walk. Yeah. You can't stand. Isn't is it? You can't this, sit. You can't talk. Isn't, isn't the angry white people so like Black Lives Matter is flipping cop cars and throwing Molotov right. cocktails and why aren't they peaceful? Why don't they well, peacefully don't protest? They, so There's nothing kneel. more peaceful than taking a knee quietly. Quietly and taking a knee. And no, it. that's just angry, violent resistance. And you're like, it's violent <laughs> to take a knee to literally sit down at a lunch counter to to no there is no way for black people to protest that is acceptable because black protest is an offense to white power Mm -hmm. and there is no way for that to be acceptable to white americans that's the truth yeah well it was like the black power salutes at the 19 what was it 68 olympics Mm. Uh, a lot of white Americans, even people that call themselves liberals, said it was inappropriate. They didn't like it. And it's like everybody saw it, and that was the point. And there's nowhere else where everybody's going to see this and have this discussion. And then hear, what? This person did that? Why did he do that? And then you hear the reasons why, and then we at least get a dialogue started. And white America could not handle that, though. Like, you no. can't do that at the Olympics. You yes. just have to stand there solemnly and have them put the medal around you. And it's like, no. No, no I don't. You've missed the point entirely. I, don't. I get to have a black fucking power salute. And by the way, they do. Black people in this country get to be human beings and citizens of this country. Mm-hmm. Period. But anyway, I guess we're kind of we, we left a lot out we didn't get to and that was inevitable. But I, I guess we're more or less going to wrap it up on this. I I don't think we're going to go into the NFL season and it's just going to stand where it is today. As usual, Roger De- Goodell decided something and didn't anticipate the backlash and he's a fucking idiot. And it's going to there could be legal things, you know, with this. Um, and. This is just now, now. Let me tell you something that really pissed me off. That opens up a whole new can of worms. There was a Nancy Pelosi town hall last night. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. And somebody brought up the NFL decision. And what do you think Nancy Pelosi did? Hedged. 
Oh, yes. You, you nailed it. She said, well, uh, it's concerning that the, it seems the players weren't involved, but I, I really respect the flag. And so oh, for God's something, sake, something Nancy. both sides. And, and they panned to the to black people in the audience and were literally just shaking their heads and rolling their eyes. Oh, my God. OK. And and when I when I see shit like that and, and we I don't necessarily we don't necessarily defend Nancy Pelosi. We just think that some people waste their time trying to run her out of town. And then right. uh, and, and then, then I, you see shit like that. And then and I'm like, like, you know fuck what? It. You know yeah. what? Primary her. Yeah. Let's get done with this or or, or force her out of the, the speakership let's be done with she it. she does some very good things she raises the money she, she let's he, be she honest whips but you the votes but, but she does she she's does that living shit. in 1986 she is and well here's my worry she's still live is. in 1986 then she can just get the fuck out of the leadership my worry is that a lot of the party is that they're like well we have this blue wave we're really doing really well in these special elections let's not rock the boat don't talk about impeachment let's mm. not inflame people time let's not get left. carried away with the immigration and the gun stuff let's just coast all right and we not got, make like, a splash and it's like holy fucking shit do we never ever learn we okay, did this in 2010 but, we did this in 2014 hold on because this fuck no we only have like Four minutes left. <laughs> All right. This shit's fucking complicated, right? It is, granted. It's fucking complicated. Shit like that? Fucking, okay. The, if you're going to stick yourself in 1986, let's primary you. Fine. I don't have enough time to talk about this. I, I hesitate to primary people who are definitely going to win and have a D next to their name. And the reason for that is, as we always talk about, is that, you know, we can't have a Republican win that seat. Yes. Right? So you primary Nancy Pelosi, you have a really bitter primary. You have somebody who wins by a, a hair who's not really that qualified and they lose to a Republican and what did we just do well, for the sake of what? I'm not even However, saying primary, just does she have to be the next speaker? But if I'm talking about primary House? elections because that's what season we're in. Okay. Right? Well, she's not going to get primaried. Okay, I'm not talking about Nancy Pelosi. I'm talking generally about primaries. Nancy yeah. Pelosi was my example, right? right? So there's this, there's this great question about do we primary people who've been there for a long time who may be a little bit out of their league like i, I think you answered the question the yourself 80s. if there's a better candidate yes but it's not about if there's a candidate that you like better no that's that's not what i mean i mean a better candidate is, but, in every sense so of the word what that's so just give me a fucking second so this is the conversation I've been having with people who are very far to the left of me, if you can imagine that that's true, <laughs> is yeah. I understand you like this person better. Mm -hmm. So do I. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats have to win this election. Or And then nothing. they say to me, Democrats this, Democrats that. <laughs> and I go, okay, so stop. Do you want any Democrat to win or a Republican to win? Well, party politics. Da, da, da. And then I say, so do you want families ripped apart? Do you want me to be electrocuted because I'm queer? Another Neil Gorsuch. Do you want another Neil Gorsuch? Like, those are the consequences of elections. 
So we can go with our hearts or we can go with our hearts and minds. And hearts and minds are the Democrat that can win. And I'm sorry to break all of your progressive loving hearts and I love all of you. But the fact of the matter is that it is so privileged to decide to nominate someone in the Democratic Party who cannot win against the Republican. So I will back the Democrat who can win over the Democrat who I love every time, and it sucks, but I will do it because I'd rather have a D than an R because the D doesn't want to electrocute me and separate my friends' families and kill black people and let them have cops kill black people and get away with it and and hurt and 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 destroy everything that i love and on that note we're gonna have to take off um feels like we're kind of incomplete here but (laughs) time constraints and all much more at irreverent duo reverent testimony at gmail.com stay active stay tuned stay involved talk to you later